Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home, and everywhere else in your life. I'm Susan. And I'm Chris Marie. We run a company called Thrive Inc. and we specialize in conflict resolution, stress management coaching, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships, both in person and virtually. On this podcast, we'll be sharing tips, tools about how to make your team, your relationship, and even you work more effectively. You can find us at thriving.com. That's www.thriveinc.com. Or follow us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today, we're going to talk about fear storms and how you can take a fear storm and move it into ease and grace for yourself. I'm Chris Marie Gamble. And I'm Susan Clark. And one of the reasons that this seemed like a good topic to me was I think about this, we're in springtime right now, which is often a time of thunderstorms and strong rain showers. And I equate that to a little bit of what I think of as a fear storm, because I can get all focused and I actually scare myself with the thunder, which is really not the problem. It's really the lightning that can be a little more of the issue. But it's like, and until I see it from a broader perspective, I don't really appreciate thunderstorms. But when I can actually see it from a bigger perspective, I start to see the value. It changes the electromagnetic field in the air. It brings the water that that we need so that we can get those flowers. And so anyway, uh, that's how I equate a thunderstorm to a fear storm. I love it. So I'm going to guess, listener, when we say fear storm, you intuitively get what that is for yourself. But in case you don't, we're going to just talk about it a little bit, flush it out. But think about times you've been in a fear storm. For me, that's times when I'm obsessing, I'm worrying, maybe I'm catastrophizing like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, or if I do do this, all these, I'm going to be a bag lady, or I'm going to get really sick, whatever it is. I was thinking too, you know, because I was thinking, oh, it's when I start to question or doubt. But the other side of that, it's when I procrastinate too. You know, I can get into procrastinating over a decision because Mm -hmm. it's, and it's like, okay, I'm not doing much of anything. Or you, even after you've made a decision, you go, oh my gosh, was that the right decision? I, I know my boss is going to be upset or this bad thing's going to happen. We're going to lose money. It's often around these things that we feel really bring us our security, our relationships, our money, our health. Those are the times, tend to be the big topics that people can scare themselves with. I mean, I was coaching one um, one of my clients, Taylor, who actually during the nine months we've been coaching, she's gone back to school. She's selling her business and, and starting a new career and has decided to move. And all these things are happening in this short little time frame. And we have checked in over and over again. Is this really what feels right? And yes, but she's like in the transition, like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm making a terrible mistake. (gasps) What if we get to Boston and we can't buy a house or, you know, I can't find a good new job. Like she goes through those obsessive cycles. And when, when she settles back down, no, no, this is really what feels right. But it's, Mm -hmm. it's that, that fear storm that can suck a lot of air and joy out of her life. Yes, for sure. I mean, I, you know, equally. I have a client who has made a decision to leave a, an organization she's been a part of for years. And she has a wonderful process that she's used to make that cl- get to that clarity. And so it's very clear that that she's ready for this next level of her life and what she's going to do. And so it's been made, it's happening, and she 
you know, was identifying, oh, oh, but now did I make the right decision? Was this really a smart move? Am I going to figure out the next step? Which is the kind of classic thing that can come up as a fear storm. Now we get just gave you two concrete examples where they're based on big transitions. These can also come up on a daily basis. Like, oh my gosh, I've got to get that presentation done. My boss is going to be upset with me if it's not perfect, or this client's going to be mad at me. Like all those little moments during my day that I can create a lot of misery. And it doesn't even have to be around work. Let's just be clear. It could be, I should be doing more to clean up the house. I should be doing better at getting our garden planted. That should be, I should already have the garden planted. It should be up already. Like, so when I got to doing more, doing better, going faster, those are all the signs of a fear fear storm. storm. It's even when I'm trying to, and this is, um, I may not notice this. It's taken me a while to recognize my propensity to want to control people, places, things. Really? I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to laugh at that. You, know? <laughs> you give me a lot of feedback that I am feeling very controlled right now. <laughs> but it happens automatically because like when I was growing up, you know, when you're growing up that three to seven years old, you have this healthy narcissism that, you know, you think, oh, you're supposed to go out on a picnic and it rains. And the little kid's like, it's because I didn't clean up my room that it rained. Like we tend to think we're the center of the universe. And so what that starts to create is this, okay, if I do this, then she'll say yes. Or, you know, this desire to control the people's responses, the end results when they're really outside of our control. Yes. I I love that you're giving this. It, It narcissism and the world centers around me is a healthy development of space. Yes. It's, it's sad when it becomes a lifetime phase, but <laughs> and it may not be as help, helpful then, obviously, but right. there is a time and a place for it. So yes. yes. And we all naturally want to control things, but recognizing it's, it's a developmental, I'm getting this developmental learning later in life, but splitting apart, what can I control and what can I not control? Mm-hmm. I mean, Byron Katie says, it's my business or it's their business, or it's God's business. Like separating when I am trying to control you, really what you're doing is none of my business. And I think, Chris Marie, tell me where I'm wrong. I'll, uh, you know, <laughs> But you've been doing some work on this for yourself, because I know a lot of times you have measures and goals that are very, you know, a lot of times they're, they're out of the your go- control. Win the gold medal. Yeah, win the gold medal, or get, you know, whatever uh, our certain- financial goal is, or how many, so many clients. Yes. It's like a goal that's outside of, you can't really control how many clients sign up. You can control how much you do, but it's so tricky to notice the difference. When are you actually putting a measure out that you don't have control over? Now it's okay to put that out there. Mm -hmm. As long as you realize if you don't succeed, it doesn't mean you failed either. It means that there's probably elements of that that's not in your control. It's true. We were looking at our April goals and I realized so many of them that I had written down they were metrics, which are good to have metrics, mm-hmm. but the goal, it, it's splitting apart the metric between the, like, we want to increase our LinkedIn, Thrive Inc. LinkedIn followers. And so I put a number. Well, that's kind of nice to have that out there, but I can't do anything like LinkedIn actually stops you from reaching out to so many people. There's there's really nothing I can do to move that needle except continue to reach out and see what happens. Yes. And so it was, uh, you know, we went through a process of sort of looking at instead of sort of pass fail on the metrics, looking at it and going, okay, so where was that? 
what did I do? What did I do in my control that moved that needle, which Mm -hmm. I did? Yeah. So the reason we're talking about this is kind of what is driving all this is our mind. And often I tell clients, you know, you can't really believe your thoughts. And they're like, what? (laughs) You cannot believe all your thoughts because your mind, your mind is a survivor, your ego, however you want to refer to it. And its mantra is me, 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 me. It's trying to survive. It thinks you're in constant danger, even though there's not saber-toothed tigers, you know, being late on a report or calling somebody back can be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And it has this sense of urgency that you've got to do more, do better, go faster. Our mind, those strategies developed when we were quite young. And it's just, it doesn't sound that way in our voice, uh, in our heads. It has a much more sophisticated yeah, sounding voice. Really good. <laughs> yes. But it's, it creates immense stress and it's not, it, it's a great implementation manager, but it's a horrible CEO. It's not a good visionary because mm-hmm. it's always short-term focused and, and urgent. Christmary, I think you're bringing up a really important part of this. It's like the mind in and of itself should not be the CEO when it's actually utilized in conjunction with other aspects of who you are in a more holistic perspective, then, you know, it really has something to add. But left to its young, underdeveloped part, which is probably the more narcissistic, like where me, 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 (laughs) ego-based, which is a part of growing up that is important. But, you know, at some point, you got to let go of that and begin to realize there's actually, you're a bigger and there's more to you. Yeah. And it's it, some people may or may not relate to this, but the mind developed those strategies when it was young and it only had, it kind of only has, it picks up the same hammer over mm-hmm. the time. That's why your patterns, you notice you respond to things, listeners, the same way. Like if you're, you know, you have the same sort of reaction patterns, mm-hmm. those were developed quite young and it, it wants to protect you from danger. But it doesn't realize you have grown up and you have a lot of other resources available to you, many more tactics, you know, including other people and and your ability to talk to people and reason things out. I know this is going to sound really kind of, I don't know, probably too simplistic, but I do think of, you know, I think of little babies and your head has a ratio to your body when you're a baby that somewhat implies that it's pretty important. It's about a third. It's a third yeah. you know? <laughs> and it's well, and it's even, you know, yeah. And, but as you grow, your head doesn't get a whole lot bigger, but the rest of you really all sorts of systems in your body, your body itself grows, all, up. grows up. And so if you're still stuck in that little head thing <laughs> that makes you think that your head is, you know, that's a great <laughs> metaphor for like bringing in more of you. Yeah. And um, and I think what's so sad in, in uh, coaching executives is they are believing their thoughts and think, oh my gosh, I've got to get this done. I can't take a break. That's your mind telling you. I can't take a break between this meeting and the next. <gasps> I can't be late to that meeting. Mm-hmm. And there's this frenetic urgency and desire to get everything done and control things. And that is really, you're only using a small part of your natural resources. Your brain, if you want some brain science, your amygdala is firing. You're in a fight, flight, or freeze, or appease phase. All your creativity that is available in your neocortex, calmness, brain, yeah. yeah, all of that is cut off because this fear response, which by the way, is creating inflammation in your body. It's reducing your IQ 10 to 15 points. That's scientifically proven. And it's you're just not using all your resources. So recognizing, I think the key is recognizing you're in this reactive pattern 
and you do have choice about what you can do about it. And I, I think one of, you know, one of the most simple ways, Chris Marine, to begin to interrupt that process is simply noticing, well, one, you have, to, you know, you notice your thoughts and, and then just ask yourself the question. Well, even just taking a breath would be. Yes. But I was thinking of like, I really like your. Well, I was going to get to okay. that a little later on in the podcast. I'm ready to get there now. But okay. <laughs> well, a breath is always a good thing to take, even in recording a podcast. So <laughs> we'll take a couple deep breaths and I won't try to go fast or do more. Yeah, that's yeah, a great okay. idea. Um, because <laughs> well, well, what we want to do before we give you kind of the tool is we want to talk about there's a there's another part of you that we do think is makes a great CEO. And it's this larger part of you that includes your mind, but it also includes like Susan was saying your body, and I'm going to shortchange it and say your heart, like it's it's lower in your system. And you know, when you are aware of it, it's it's a quieter voice. It's more of a felt sense as opposed to the frantic urgency. Yes. And, you know, I think of it as, well, I'm, I'm going to go back just a minute to this notion of dis- disease, because let's be clear, if you just stay in that mentor chatter and stress, there are things in a stress reaction, which means you are not, you're only in your mind spend about it. It can lead to disease, literally. The yeah. inflammation, various... Um, well, you, we've coached people with heart palpitations, yeah. panic attacks. Those are the obvious signs, but it can even lead to, to chronic I, disease. Yes. And, you know, I mean, for me, even cancer is an example of, you know, if your mind is sort of not, your brain is there to be, actually be feeding and responding to everything in your system. But if it's not, if it's just on a hardwired fear storm... What happens is the rest of the body decides this is not a good communication system. And so they start, you know, they kind of go rogue. Well, it's like nobody's listening to me. (laughs) So so. so I'm going to go do my own thing. And, you know, I I know for myself, even with my own cancer experience, when I started to get more curious about the cancer and realize that, wait a minute, the cancer is trying to give me information and let me know that I am disconnected and how could I listen and you know, it's not necessarily that I created it out of the fear storm, but it, I created the separation from parts of myself. And that reconnection is what is so vital and important. To It's a way of thinking. So dis-ease, another way to break that word down is dis-ease. Separate the two. And I do want to, I think this is pretty important, Susan, and it may be very different for most people who have had cancer touch their lives in some way. But this whole idea of that when you're you're in a place of separating, like trying to get away or uh, ostracizing some part of yourself, mm-hmm. and eventually that part says, well, screw you, for lack of a better term, we're going to develop our own ecosystem and starts developing its own cell yeah. areas. I think that's pretty important because when the mind is trying to control everything and says, well, you can't actually have your feelings, they're bad, we need to stay on top of it. So again, every time you do that, you're alienating a part of you. And, you know, cancer may be too big of one to take off, but, you know, but it's the same way if you injure something, because you, as an athlete, you've talked about when you make your body an object, Mm -hmm. you don't listen to the inherent cues that I'm over-functioning, I'm over-working out. Um, Yeah. That happened during my Olympic experience. In my training experience, I was just like, you know what? 
I don't care, shoulder, if you can't do it, I'm going to make you do it. And back, you've got to get on. Like, I was so mean to myself. And my body, when I ended the Olympics, I was just kind of like, thank God I'm done because I injured my body so much because Mm -hmm. I didn't give it time. I didn't turn towards those parts and listen to them and use it as a signal to take care of myself. And it's not that, so when I talk about this idea of separating the word disease, even into two part, dis-ease, you're out of ease, that our innate state of being, natural state of being would be one that is in more ease and grace. Like there's uh, where we're connected, there's an interconnected Activity between the mind, the heart, the emotions, the, the, body. the body, the spirit, the spirit, and those. When that interconnection is a, is in some sort of equanimity or equi- like it's working, flow. you know, flow. Because there, you got to know it's a, it is a contraction and an expansion. So it's not just bliss. It's <laughs> like you know, it's actually that movement that is what is a sign of ease and grace. And, you know, that's being an allowance. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, there's a way to be even when you're dealing with something that can seem like a cancer. It's not that you created it, but you can be at ease and grace with that cancer or you could be at war with that cancer. Those are two different ways of adapting to it. It's not about the cure. It's about the relationship. Mm. So it's, I think, because sometimes people get really like, well, if I did it right, then I'd get rid of it. That's actually that mind thing again. It is. Mind (laughs) thinking um, there's a right and a wrong. And we're just, uh, it's more being in relationship. And the mind, again, cuts off and we're seduced in believing like efficiency and productivity is the number one thing. Our our U.S. culture, for sure, our Western culture is built on that. Go, 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 go. And what it does is it cuts us off. If you buy into that, it cuts us off from our humanity. Our own mind really doesn't have a feeling sense. And so we have to work to interrupt that and include this larger feeling sense, including the heart, including kindness, being interested in what relationally, what is going on with us, as well as what's going on with other people. How am I impacting other people? All of that is a more holistic approach, which in the end is going to create more life. And I believe even better results at a business sense, if you don't buy into this urgency because you're not bringing your best self forward. So just though, to be clear, it's not like, okay, I'm going to move into ease and grace. And so I've done it wrong if I'm not in ease and grace. And this is why I really, really want to keep coming back to a fear storm is like a thunderstorm. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It may be exactly what needs to happen from a seasonal perspective. But if you can be in relationship to it, and actually use it in a more holistic perspective, not just letting it spin out in your, you know. So like, using it like as a red flag. Yeah. They, to notice yeah. like, oh, I can make a different choice here. So not believing the seduction yeah. of your mind, but interrupting it and taking a breath. And then we this wanted, is, yeah. this is where I wanted to give you the tool. Um, now that you know, there's the mind and then there's this kind of larger sense of you that is really connected I even believe to your soul, like, and it starts with the body, the heart includes the mind. And so a lot of times, you know, when you're making a decision, like some of these transition pieces, um, I'll just give you Taylor's example of like, she, she's wanting to move to Boston. So the tool is think about a decision. So you can use this as an example for yourself, listener, think about a decision that you're kind of, ah, oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? This Taylor's decision, should I move to Boston? Should I not do to move to Boston? 
And then what you want to do is you want to give each your mind and I'm just going to shortcut it and say your heart. You want to give them each a voice. And this is a tool borrowed by Sonia Cochette, who's a spiritual teacher. But she said, what you want to do is verbalize. My mind says, it's crazy to move. My mind says, I'll never find a house I can afford. My mind says, oh my gosh, uh, this is the dumbest. I, I don't know why I even thought of this. Whatever those mind things, at least three. Let your, But you might have more things that your mind says. And then pause, take a breath. Susan's taking one right now. And then say, my heart says, oh, my heart says that's where I really want to live. My heart says, I want to be near family. My heart says, I'll figure it out. And usually there's a sense of kind of dropping in and there's a fuller sense. There's more of you that's included in those answers. You're going to have a, like a felt sense of feeling settled, peace, and a calm. And a lot of times my clients will say, well, how can I believe that? <laughs> you know, cause my mind, and it's like, because it's actually resonating in your body and your body is a really good resource for what feels true for you. Uh, trusting that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also I, I like this idea of kind of exploring what is the mind saying? What is the heart saying? And also maybe even, you know, what might be helpful, like if I question my heart, you know, it's like, all right. So then I, my mind might come back in, but it comes in from a different place. Yeah. Like if I'm saying, I really want to move there. So what would it be like? Imagine what it would be like to be there. Imagine what it would take. You know, I come from a place of imagining something versus I got to do it, which can or, actually generate a path, which e is really helpful. Or even Susan, uh, versus a, you can imagine from a more <laughs> more resource place, I yeah. think is what you're saying versus this <clears throat> catastrophizing place. Like, oh my God, we're going to get there. We won't be able to afford a house. You know, I get yeah. you know, all those scary you, things. You actually went to a, a tool that I thought of at this point, but I was also thinking of, you know, even with those mental stories, it, you can interrupt them sometimes just by simply, is this true? Yes, yeah. this is a tool that Byron and Katie um, developed the work, but we're just going to take the first two questions. So if you're in this scaring, oh my gosh, I'm scaring myself. What you want to do is just notice what is the thought that's really triggering you like, oh, my God, I'm not going to have enough money or, oh, my God, I'm going to be so embarrassed, whatever it is. And ask yourself, is it true? And see, your mind will probably pipe in with, yes, of course it's true. What do you mean? Why are you asking me this? And then so take a breath again. Each time I'm for the second question, second stage, I'm suggesting you take a breath and then ask yourself, can I absolutely know that it's true? And then wait for the response. And, you know, your mind is going to be louder, but you're going to find, again, a resonance, usually lower in your body, a sense of settling, like, well, no, I can't know that it's going to be true. And there's there's a peacefulness in that. Mm -hmm. And I think of what we're talking about here is I think of it is a way to actually reconnect remember, and I literally, I like to break these words apart because they're <laughs> profound when they're, you know, reconnect. You were connected before. Mm -hmm. You had, you have a natural connection and you're the one who separates yourself from it. Remember, you're, you're not a bag of parts. <laughs> you can remember yourself. You can put your heart, your mind into this and refresh. There is always something new, like, mm -hmm. and there is an opportunity in that novelty and newness that is going to invite you to something different. And that breath is really an excess point that will get you 
get you there. I love that, Susan, because the mind is usually a black and white thinker. So it's either all good or all bad. And what I love, what you, like remembering you're not a bag of parts. I love that, Susan. And that there's a larger part of you that you can access that's wiser, that has this wisdom. And this idea of breath, breath does not go up to the head. Breath goes down into your lungs and it connects you into your body. And that's where this deeper wisdom, where you can trust your intuition, you can trust your hunches, you can trust your impulses to move forward, but they're more from a body based than this cha 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 the head, which is basically lying to you. I really want to let you know. It doesn't always lie to you, but if you're in that frantic, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do, ah, that's your mind. And you really want to, I love those. What say the reconnect, R's? Reconnect, remember, and refresh. I love that. Yeah. And um, is there anything that, like, I thought Susan wrote something, and I would just love for you to even read it. Yeah, because well, one of the things that's been going on for me is I'm actually getting more engaged again in bringing the horses and the equus work that I do back into my coaching and work in various ways. And so I was, I wanted to kind of express how I feel about doing this work and in an invitation. And so what I wrote was, you know, in our human journey, it's very hard to step out of that expectation and obligation. However, we are not here to be perfect. I really want to pause. We're not here to be perfect. (laughs) We are here to be our unique strands of stardust. I call it starlight, but that was a misspelling on my (laughs) starlight. You know, we're here to fall in love, to fail, to succeed, to laugh, to play, to cry, to be. So what happens when you allow yourself to rest into yourself? This is that moment of breath. And just as you are. Mm -hmm. And what's possible when you welcome and appreciate yourself completely, just as you are. How rare. Yeah. (laughs) And what can happen if you allowed ease and grace to guide your life? Life. Life. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just even that pausing there, because those those are such rare moments for myself even, that I, I can rest into me as I am. Yes. If this is your desire and you struggle to find that place of ease and grace, that place that, you know, they say exists, poets and various other people, beyond right and wrong, polarity, pain, and perfection. I invite you to discover this simple and profound truth. It is not out there. There is no destination. That space is always available to you. You can reconnect, remember, and refresh your natural state of breathing. It starts with your breath. Notice the gentle nudge. Because you will naturally breathe. It's always going to happen. But there will be nudges to take a deeper breath. The call to this state of being is often quiet. Doesn't come with a bang. It's gentle, soft, but always present. Nature is always beckoning you to come. For me, horses were the bridge. And I'd love to introduce you to more of that if you're interested in coming to Montana. Because you have access to this all the time. Your life can be with ease and grace 
And it doesn't mean there won't be thunderstorms. <laughs> I love that. You want those spring showers. They bring May flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I just wanted her to read that because I, so thank you, Susan. I mm-hmm. think it's so well written. And, you know, a tool piece that you can take for yourself in that is we're all seeking, myself included often, like, give me the magic pill. Are you going to give it to me? Are you going to give it to me? And really all of what you need is inside of you. If you slow down, get out of the seduction of the mind and take a breath, even taking a breath. What we suggest is take a breath and just hold it for two beats, one, two, and then release and do that for about three times. And your energy state is going to shift. And it doesn't mean you're not going to go back to some important paper you're writing or some big project plan or, or putting you the next, you know, molecular structure together that's going to change the world. <laughs> but you just don't have to do it with just such frantic effort. Yeah. And su- <laughs> such uh, separation from the rest of yourself. You can bring all of you along. And when you do, you're going to have more creative solutions. It's going to feel better. You're going to actually notice you, you know, how, how is this impacting you? which will also translate to how it impacts other people that you deliver it to. And the permissions, giving yourself permission to be just as you are Mm. right now in this moment, even if you're stressed, even if you're believing your mind, those gentle permissions will really help you settle yourself. If you allow yourself to remember and reconnect with a simple, following that simple nudge, you will actually begin to tap back into your natural state of being. And there is in that natural, you're going to have another thunderstorm. That thunderstorm will come, but in with the breath can come the belief and the knowing that this just brings May flowers or June <laughs> flowers, depending on what, what state you're in. You know? I love it. That's what it was. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, hope this, hopefully this was helpful. And please reach out and let us know. Give us an email at thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E at T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C.com. We'd love to hear what you're using, what you'd like more of. Uh, what would support you in your uh, success in living your best life? And if you were inspired by my idea of the horses, I am shifting and I'm really inviting you to come and have a more intimate and personalized experience with the horses here in Montana. So if you're interested in that and that's intriguing to you, reach out. Because hopefully with all the vaccinations, we are Mm. able to travel yet once again. Yes. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know conflict, stress, and uncertainty can be hard to navigate. We want to support you becoming more resilient, able to speak up, and have healthy relationships and business teams that thrive. Connect to us on LinkedIn at Thrive Inc. Learn how we can work with you, your team, or your company at thriving.com. That's www.thriveinc.com. We hope you have a peaceful, productive, and beautiful day. Take care.